going to see what happened in Exodus chapter 2. And many of you know that as we read about this part of the story of Moses, that there's really three parts to Moses' life. The first 40 years when he was in the palace, and he was raised as the son of uh, Pharaoh's daughter, as the grandson of the Pharaoh the king. And then for 40 years, he was in the wilderness taking care of sheep. What a contrast in his life. And then for 40 years, he had the privilege and the calling from God to lead God's people to the promised land. But let's see what happens in this middle time as it begins in verse 11. And try to imagine what it was like for Moses in Exodus 2, verses 11 through 25. Listen to what it says. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were, and he watched them at their hard labor. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. And looking this way and that and seeing no one, Moses killed the Egyptian, and he hid him in the sand. The next day he went out and he saw two Hebrews fighting. And he asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? And the man said, who made you the ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and he thought, what I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, notice, when Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and he went to uh, live in Midian where he sat down by a well. Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters and they came to draw water and to fill the troughs to water their father's flock. Some shepherds came along and drove them away, but Moses got up and came to their rescue and Moses watered their flock. When the girls returned to rule their father, he asked them, why have you returned so early today? And they answered, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. And where is he, Rule asked his daughters. Why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat. Moses agreed to stay with the man who gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. And Zipporah gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. During that long period, the king of Egypt died and the Israelites groaned in their slavery and they cried out and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. And so God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. And then in the next verse, we have the calling of Moses from the burning bush as God calls him to a brand new life for the last 40 years of his life. This is where we end the reading from God's inspired and his infallible word to us. May he bless us as we look at it tonight. Blessings and brokenness. We say, what does that have to do? It's like opposites. We think of blessings as the good things in life, the wonderful times of life, the times when we feel whole and we feel healed and we think of brokenness as only pain and only suffering. And we don't see how blessings can come from brokenness. It just seems like that's something that could never happen because brokenness reminds us of being shattered, of being feeling sometimes as if our tears will never end. 
as our life is broken by circumstances. And you know, it can happen in so many different ways that our life is suddenly changed. For some people, it's when they uh, suddenly lose all of their savings or they lose their job and suddenly they're in debt and suddenly uh, they don't have that financial security that they had and all of a sudden they go from one style of life to a totally different one and they feel as if their old life is gone and their life is shattered. Sometimes that brokenness can come from illness that we never expected to come into our lives. And we look at our old life before the illness came, and we look at our new life when our body is broken, and we sometimes think there's no blessings in that, is there? You know, it can be in many different ways that our lives change suddenly and painfully, and we find that our life is different and it's broken can be the, the, the death of a dream, the idea of what we might have in our life. And when we realize that dream of how our life was going to play out is gone, we find that brokenness sometimes seems to be the very opposite of blessings. So what do we do? And how do we find a way through the brokenness and through the pain? And as we look at what happened to Moses, we, we can only imagine why Moses must have wondered what was happening in his life when his life was broken by circumstances that suddenly turned his whole life around here in Exodus chapter 2. Just think of how his life was before this. You know the story in chapter 2 where uh, Moses is put in a little basket as a baby because Pharaoh had decided that the, the people of God, the Israelites, were becoming way too powerful and he was afraid they would rise up in rebellion. And so Pharaoh ordered that every baby boy of the Israelites was to be killed immediately. And so the slaughter began, and so Moses' mother decided to hide him as she prepared a basket where he was placed and then put that basket in the river, and his, his sister Miriam was watching over as that basket was in that river. And then you know what happened as Pharaoh's daughter came to bathe in the river Nile and as she came there and she saw this little basket and this little baby and uh, she wanted to take it home but Miriam was there and she asked Miriam if anyone could take care of him for her and Miriam said my mother can take care of him and you know the story but think of how Moses life in the first 40 years was a life that was one that no one else had in all of the kingdom he was like the son of the grandson of Pharaoh he had power as he grew up. He had a wonderful education like no one else in all of the country. He had uh, the possessions. Everything he could want was given to him. When he would go from place to place, people would bow down before him. He could ride in the most beautiful of the chariots. And everywhere he went, he was considered the grandson of Pharaoh. Privileged life what we would call a, a blessed life, a good life, a life that showed so much promise for the future, and yet it would suddenly change for him just one moment. But you think about it, and you think about how his life was before this moment in Exodus chapter 2, and then you see what happens immediately after he kills an Egyptian that's hurting one of God's people. And all of a sudden, it says here in the text that Pharaoh is trying to kill Moses. 
He thought it was a secret what he had done. He thought he could cover it up. He hid the body, but it was found out. And now he literally runs for his life. But as his life is broken by his circumstances, 40 years in the palace, and now he is out in a desert, far away in the Midian. In fact, it says in the Bible, he went to the far side of the desert. He had had all the wealth and all the possessions he could want, and now he was so poor, he was doing the work with his hands of a shepherd, all by himself before he was surrounded by servants, and people would do whatever he wanted as they bowed down to him. Now his life is spent alone with the sheep, and there are not the other people around him bowing to him as he lives a life of luxury in the palace. What a difference for him. How life can change. And how it is that sometimes we feel our life going in one direction. And yet God allows brokenness to come that we never in all of our life could have imagined earlier would ever come to us. Maybe you've experienced something like that. The pain of brokenness. And maybe like Moses, you must have wondered at some point too, why is this happening to me? How can it be that life can be so different than what we had expected? How can it be that you go from power and you go from uh, possessions to a life alone and with all power taken away? Why is it? Why is it that God allows these things to happen? Well, here in Exodus chapter 2, we know that God has a reason. Think about it. God has a reason for everything that he does. And think about the fact that we know from the scriptures that the God of the covenant love, the God who has made covenant with us, also tells us, I do nothing because of hatred for you. I love you with an everlasting love. Jesus said that once we belong to the Father, no one can snatch us out of the Father's hands. No one can snatch us out of Jesus' hands. He gives us everlasting life and love, an everlasting love that will never let us go. And the Bible tells us in Romans, Paul says, God works all things out together for good to those who love him, to those called according to his purpose. So we look at this as it's happening to Moses, and we say, what is God doing in his life? Why did God let this happen to him? And we have to realize that whatever God does in our lives, the, the, the motive of God is always that more and more, he would draw us to his strength. He would help us to see that our life is not about living our life for ourselves, but God is the one who wants us to be emptied of ourself and filled with his power and his strength and our love for him. He's the God who constantly and always wants to build our character and our trust for him. And so the truth of the matter is that for 40 years, 40 years, Moses would spend it in a desert taking care of sheep working in a job that was totally different than he ever expected for the first 40 years of his life. Imagine that. But he was, God was doing this 
because God was calling Moses to trust in him completely. And sometimes the ways in which we realize our need for God, the ways in which we realize and our faith can be developed in God is when he allows us to be broken of ourselves, to be in circumstances where there's nowhere else to go but to God. There's an old song that says, where would I go but to the Lord? And that's what I believe Moses learned to do. You know, earlier as he had all this wealth, all this prestige, all these people bowing before him, he killed this Egyptian. He didn't pray to God about it. He didn't ask what God wanted to do. In a sense, he took this into his own hands. He was going to do what he thought was best. And now God was causing him in the desert to be humbled, to realize that my ways are not always God's ways. My thoughts are not always God's thoughts. But God has a different path. And he learned as he was alone with those sheep that he had to learn to trust completely in the power of God and not in himself. But there's even more to it than that. God is the one that allowed this brokenness in his life so that he would more and more see his need for faith in God and the strength of God. But even more, God was preparing him for the last 40 years of his life. And again, his whole life would change totally when in the next chapter, God appears to him in this burning bush. Out on the far side of the desert, all by himself, God calls him to be the leader of God's people out of their slavery in Egypt. Now think about that. Moses argues with God. He says, God, I can't do that. He says, I can't speak well. And he tries to get out of it. And God says, I will give you Aaron. He will be with you. I will give you the words to speak. And just to show you that I will be with you and I will give you the strength. And God calls, calls him to take his staff, throw it on the ground. It becomes a snake. And he picks it up. And you can imagine the fear of a snake, but he picks it up. And it's a staff again. And God says, I will give you the power to do what you have to do. I will enable you. I will bless you. And I have prepared you to lead the people. When you think about it, 40 years of leading sheep in a desert, in a wilderness, prepared him for leading God's people who were like lost sheep, God's people who sometimes would wander this way and that, God's sheep that wouldn't always do what Moses would tell them God wanted as the shepherd that was in charge of them. Moses was learning that God would give him the strength for this otherwise impossible task. The Bible tells us that there were about three million, three million Israelites at that time. How could he lead all these people? They all would want to go in different directions like sheep without a shepherd. And yet God would say, I will give you the strength. You've learned to herd the sheep. Now you must be the shepherd of these sheep that I put you in charge of. And you can't do it in your own. You can't do it by your own strength. I will help you all the way. Now think of that. Think of how God was preparing him. I believe part of that preparation was those first 40 years when he learned in the palace. He learned 
what it was to be the Pharaoh. He, he would be prepared to come to the Pharaoh, as scary as that was, to tell him that God's people must leave now. But God was preparing him through his education. God was preparing him during those 40 years of blessings. But God was also preparing him in the wilderness for the next step of his life. And, and so we see that in spite of the pain that there was in the desert for him, in spite of the fact that out in the desert he wasn't wearing the fine clothes and he wasn't having everyone bow down to him, he was taking care of sheep. And also during that time, when he was so alone with those sheep, he learned so much about that his only place of strength was God. He couldn't depend upon servants. He couldn't depend upon slaves. God was the one that he was alone with, just like David. When David was out there as a boy, a shepherd boy, he learned to put his trust completely in God, and God could use him later in his life to be the king over Israel. So Moses was being prepared. Moses, when he was alone, he learned what it was to have solitude, to be alone with God. I love that song that sometimes we sing at Park Place. The people love to sing it sometimes. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. The voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. And then the song says, and he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. I think about that. Moses learned what it is to come alone with God. To spend time just listening to God and praying to God. He was being prepared for the time when he would be the leader of God's people on their way to the promised land. So you see, when we ask, well, where are the blessings in this brokenness? The blessings were that God, in this most difficult time of his life, was preparing him for the next difficult part of his life. God was giving him strength that only God can give. Think about what it was like for Moses. As he had to go to Pharaoh, and he had to say, Pharaoh, God says, let my people go. And you think, well, that was easy. He knew God would let him go. But think about it. Pharaoh says no. Then think about it. If you were Moses and Pharaoh says no, and you say, well, if you don't let them go, complete darkness will cover the land. And Moses says, I'm not, or Pharaoh says, I'm not going to do it. And imagine what it was like when suddenly this total darkness descended. Pitch black. No lights around. Nothing around. And imagine, the people become terrified. They wonder what's happening. You've heard of when there's been eclipses in past generations. People thought it was the end of the world. They panic because they're not used to total darkness. It makes fear in people's hearts. You know, I grew up in Cicero here, and uh, when we grew up in Cicero, you never had complete and total darkness. I'll never forget the first time I experienced true darkness when I was a student at Calvin's Seminary, and my summer assignment was in a little town in South Dakota called Harrison, South Dakota. And we were out there, my wife and I, and we went to someone's house on a Sunday night after church. And on the way home, as we were way out in the country, and there were no lights out there at all, and 
I just decided to put my lights off for a moment, and it was pitch black out there. There was no light at all. And and I can understand, if you've ever experienced that, how people sometimes are terrified of the dark. That's what happened. And it wasn't until Moses heard from Pharaoh who said, well, you know, I'll let them go. Just bring the light back. And Moses did. And then Pharaoh lied and he didn't do it. And think of it, 10 times Moses had to go back. He said, there'll be grasshoppers. There's going to be locusts. There's going to be grasshoppers all over if you don't do it. And And Pharaoh said, no, I'm not going to let them go. They're my slaves. I need them. And so imagine, and some of you know that during the 30s in Kansas and in Nebraska and in the Midwest, suddenly, and I've seen the pictures of the locusts, of the grasshoppers coming, and literally it became like night, thick with grasshoppers all over. And the people... All their crops were ruined. And you see the pictures in the 30s of the farmers going there and seeing that everything is gone. Imagine, as you're the one who has to bear this news, and as it happens, you know that it's because of the God that you serve that allowed this to happen. And Pharaoh says, I will let them go. Just give us, get rid of these locusts, get rid of these grasshoppers. And he does, and God does. And again, Pharaoh changes his mind. And then when all the waters turn to blood and as people try to drink water, it's blood. Can you imagine being the one, the bearer of that news? How did Moses have the courage to do this? And the answer is Moses learned to trust in God. Forty years in the wilderness, he learned what it was to be alone with God. And now he was able to come before Pharaoh in the strength of the Lord. It was not easy. It took lots of courage. And then imagine as Moses stands at the Red Sea and the people are saying, Moses, what are we going to do? We're trapped. Pharaoh is after us. The Red Sea is before us. We wish we were just back there. And then Moses, he puts his rod out and God parts the sea. Imagine the faith there was to step into that riverbed and to go across it. And how did he learn to trust in God that way? It was during those 40 years of brokenness that he learned what God's power truly is in our lives. And it would happen again and again as they went on from there and as they went into the wilderness and as the people grumbled against him and complained, where did he get the patience with them? He learned to work with sheep and he was willing to work with the people of Israel And he even would have to remind God sometimes, you love these people, don't destroy them. They are your sheep, Lord, they are yours. And there were times when, in spite of all the criticism Moses got, in spite of all that he went through, he was the one who would advocate before God, please bring your people all the way to the promised land. But you see, out of brokenness comes the blessing of trusting in God in a brand new, new way. It comes not in the days of the sunshine always, but in the days of the storms in our life that God gives us that wonderful blessing of realizing that we can look up to Jesus in the storms. We can look up to God as we surrender ourselves completely to him. As we realize that we can't do it in our own strength, as we realize how much we need him, 
as we realize not even one day can we spend without his blessing. It's not easy. And it wasn't easy for Moses. But he surrendered himself to the God he knew would take care of him. The God who took care of him in the wilderness. And the God who would take care of him until the day that he died. You know, when you think about that, you think about how Moses was willing to say, I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll be what you want me to be. The question for you and for me is, have we learned to do that very same thing? Have we learned through the brokenness in our lives that God will always be there for us, that he will bring us through the valleys and he will bring us through the shadows and he doesn't leave us there, but he will even bring us through death itself because of his endless, his bottomless love for us. How do we react when brokenness comes in our lives? Sometimes the first thing we say is, I don't need this, Lord. I already trust in you. We think that we already understand what it is to be trusting in him, but God gently sometimes, but sometimes very deliberately causes us to see there's no place to go except to the Lord. He's the one who can get me through. And sometimes we say, I don't need this, Lord. Or we say, Lord, I'm tired of this brokenness. I can just imagine Moses when he was in the wilderness for 40 years saying, Lord, I'm, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of sheep. I'm tired of doing this. And yet he was willing instead to say, Lord, I accept the fact that I am where you want me to be. Just show me what you want me to do. Show me what you want me to be, and I'll be your servant wherever that will lead. The beautiful song, I surrender all, all to Jesus, I surrender. Can you say that from your heart? I had a lady in one of my churches that said, you know, I, I really have a hard time even singing that song because I never want to lie when I'm singing a song. And, and can it really be that we can say from our hearts, all to Jesus, I surrender all to him I freely give. I surrender all. I surrender all. May we learn to do that as he allows the brokenness that we sometimes need in our life to draw us closer and closer to his grace, his mercy, and his love.